So establishing ourselves in the refuge, being present here and now to how it is. Adjusting our uh, quality of effort, being able to recognize that we can practice with how it is. So this morning I'd like to reflect in terms of practice this ongoing uh, development of the balance and the integration of the samatha, the calming, steadying, focusing, stilling of the heart, mind and body, gathering in of the heart, mind and body into awareness and presence, touching heart, mind, and body with awareness. This is a samatha, calming, centering, steadying. Which uh, allows us to actually see how it is more clearly. And the inquiry, the vipassana, the reflecting, the the contemplation of our experience, working with what arises within the field of our awareness. Bringing this quality of presence and attentiveness to our experience for the sake of revelation, for the sake of understanding, for the sake of insight that liberates the heart from false assumptions, liberates the heart from identification with that which is moving through the space of the heart, moving through the space of awareness. And in the process, being able to recognize the ground of the heart or the mind itself, that which is just present, just aware, knowing, luminous, unobstructed, spacious, unconfined, ever-present, not going, not coming, not needing to be attained, not needing to be added to, nothing can detract from it. Deepest, truest nature. It's not our possession, but it is the most intimate to our experience, to our reality, the most real being able to recognize the unmoving, the suchness, and being able to recognize the moving. This is the the fruit of vipassana, insight, knowledge. It requires to bring about that fruit, requires the steadying, focusing, being here, learning as much as we can today to be as fully as we can with the simplicity of each moment, even if each moment isn't particularly simple. The simplicity of being with each moment requires just enough effort to encourage the fullness of our attentiveness to receive our experience of the breath, of the body, of what we uh, recite in the recitation this morning, 
what is called the five skandhas or the five khandhas, which is a way of describing the totality of our experience, five aspects that we can begin to reflect on that gives us some perspective, some way into recognizing the true nature of our experience in terms of its changeability, its flux, its flow, its actual ultimate emptiness, ephemerality, what seems so real, so solid, such a powerful impingement. We start to really look at it We can't actually really find anything there. Nothing there, actually. But the appearance of what appears within the mind has such a a powerful sense of shaping of our reality, of our sense of self. So in the, in the, as we steady, as we become more present, practice of mindfulness, mindfully being with the breath, being with the body as we've been cultivating these last few days, we begin to become aware of the movement of each of these khandhas as they play within the sphere of the mind. the appearance of them. First one being the experience of form, the experience of our embodiment, the impingement of our, and the effect of our sense of our embodiment on awareness, on the mind. The external perception of the body, how we think about the body, how we associate the sense of who I am with how the body is. Large, small, tall, short, old, young. Well, unwell, aching. It's powerful way that the mind is influenced and the sense of self is shaped by the perception of the body. So this we can actually, in meditation, In everyday life, this is our reality. In meditation, we can actually see this is a perception, actually. That uh, supports the sense of, I'm an old person, I'm a young person. I'm a male, I'm a female. I'm transgendered. I'm well, I'm sick, I'm strong. I'm beautiful, I'm ugly. So in the contemplation, we can see the perceptions, the thoughts, the way we frame our sense of self through how the body is. We don't necessarily see the body as the reality of, of its true nature as part of the... Uh, of, it's not really our possession, we can't, Sajjan Chah would say, we can't command the body, gets a cold, and say, don't get a cold, don't get sick. It doesn't always listen to us, does it? Don't get old, <laughs> don't get wrinkles, 
don't get gray hair. I mean, nowadays we can do actually quite a lot to, <laughs> to uh, like King Canute standing at the ocean trying to push back the tide. Uh, we can do it for so long, but eventually <laughs> something gives somewhere. And we have to come to face the reality of the body is beyond our control. It has its own nature. It's going the way of everything else in nature. Huge reactivity around the experience of the body. So we begin to replace the reactivity, the fascination, the dread, the fear of the body aging maybe, or the fascination with someone else's body. All the different ways we project onto the, these poor old bodies, all the huge amounts that get projected, we replace that with the awareness of the body. Receiving the body with, with mindfulness, just as it is. Really get to know the body more directly rather than through the perceptions that we project onto it. Well, the internal body, this is all within the first uh, skanda or kanda. The, the internal body is the... As we <clears throat> meditation, we're getting to know the internal experience of the body. The pressure, the flow, the heat, the tingling, the numbness, what we might call pain, energetic constriction, tiredness, heaviness, restlessness. the feeling tones. And again, we, these very much, all of these five khandhas shape and influence how we designate the sense of, of me. And in the vipassana, in the insight, we're beginning to look a little bit more deeply beneath the assumption into the actuality as, as each of these khandhas in every moment appears to us. So again, the, the, the sensation of the body the inner experience of the body, very much, very quick to say, oh, I feel uh, you know, really heavy, or I feel really restless. Which is true, we say this is, this is how I feel, but we can also look and say, replace maybe the reactivity around our experience of what we're feeling with just the mindfulness. The mindfulness knows there is heat, there is pressure, there is constriction. There is ex- a sense of expansiveness. There is the effect maybe of not feeling too well. And it's like this. Just that simple, just the knowing of it for what it is, without necessarily the interpretation, the reactivity. In the steadying of attention, moments of receiving body externally, internally, in terms of our direct experience. As we do that, one of the things, as was mentioned in the Dharma talk last night of Kirisara, what we notice is the changeability. Vibration, flux, flow, energy. 
as we meet the body, we meet all of these five skandhas. The second sphere of the, of the khandhas is the aggregate or the experience of feeling, sensation, feeling. Very powerful again. <clears throat> How we, whatever feeling and sensation is there, very quickly becomes the sense of this is what I am, this is me. I feel really elated this morning, full of beans, really joyous. But then in the evening, I feel depressed and sad and devastated. And in the middle of the day, I just feel bored. Which piece of that whole range of feeling is the real you? Don't you ever think it's a little kind of contradictory? (laughs) This sense, we assume this solid meanness, and then every moment it's... It has a different mood and feeling and reaction, and some of which are completely contradictory. It's kind of kind of a certain insanity. <laughs> no wonder we get confused. So, in this contemplation. It's not that we want to, you know, there's not a value in being able to to say and own, yes, I feel like this in this moment, and to name that and to know that. But looking more deeply, we can see through the eye of vipassana, the eye of insight, that in this moment there is feeling, there is sensation, and it's, it's, it's like this, maybe even without putting the label on. I I feel devastated because I I have so much sense of sadness or grief. What is the feeling of it? We come to just really explore the the feeling tone in this moment without any steadiness, without the cultivation of the mindfulness and the steadiness that we've been exploring and developing, then we just get washed away by feeling because it's so powerful, overwhelmed, reactive, completely identified. go into an archaeological dig. Why am I feeling like this? Who did it to me? And what can I do about it? Which is one line of inquiry, and and that can be valuable. But for for the sake of our practice today, that's not really the main focus. Not to say, I'm not dismissing that as not an important focus, but we're getting to get a sense, rather than necessarily going into the depth of the content of the mind, we're getting a sense for the construct of the khandhas, of the sense of how we designate the, the, the experience of the world and the experience of self. So we can just know feeling very simply in the teaching. It's recommended that at first we can just actually come into contact with sensation and feeling and just know this is a pleasant feeling. Or maybe this is unpleasant. Or maybe neutral. Not much charge either way. And this, in this way, it gives, begins to give a sense of dispassion, a sense of perspective, a sense of space around the experience of feeling, which is often so activating for us. 
And as we start to look more deeply, we'll also notice that, you know, the feeling changes, sensation changes. One minute it's pleasant, the next minute it's uh, constricted. One minute spacious, the next minute heavy. And instead, <clears throat> instead of writing a narrative or trying to figure out why we feel what we do or why we are experiencing the the, the moods, the sensations that we do, we can just actually allow attention and mindfulness, awareness, just to rest simply with the experience of feeling and sensation, just like this. Just resting there with a steadiness, taking the breath, taking attentiveness. We're not using this meditation to try and eradicate our feeling nature because to feel means that we're going to experience discomfort, pain, turbulence sometimes. This is how it is to feel. And we don't want to use meditation. Sometimes we can use meditation because we don't want to feel anything sort of uh, try and push away feeling. Oh, it's just impermanent. Boof. It doesn't mean anything. Boof. Just sort of like you've got a a kind of a Vipassana machine gun. And, you know, we use it to to defend ourselves from feeling anything. We don't want to feel, but we don't want to to kill the root of our feeling nature. So it's part of it's it's our depth of that which connects us. We want to become sort of aloof, disassociated, disconnected practitioners and then think that's equanimity and that's non-attachment, because we don't feel anything anymore. We actually want to be able to fully feel life, but be able to be in relationship to feeling, to discern, to know. And as we hold steadiness, revelation actually comes about feelings. So to feel as the root of our humanity, of our empathy, of our compassion, of our sensitivity. But in this practice at the moment and today, we're just getting some perspective rather than being so reactive around the experience of feeling. Happy, sad, up, down. And beginning to trust that awareness itself has the capacity to reveal whatever needs to be understood about feeling has the capacity to release that which has been congested within the energetic body in terms of feelings of heaviness or depression or 
undigested uh, wounds from the past that get locked into the system and that, and that come up as, as painful feeling, painful mind states. So here we're using the power of awareness, a power of mindfulness, a power of attention to do that work, trusting that, to just hold steady. This is where it takes some samadhi, some samatha, to hold steady when if there's this uncomfortable feeling, feeling of being dislocated somehow, loneliness, someone was asking about loneliness, <clears throat> all these different feelings that we are, that we are subjected to, just holding attentiveness there, breathing there, mindful, neither being swept away, neither identifying, and not resisting and rejecting or repressing. This is the activity of mindfulness, illuminating, knowing, steadying, aware. Perhaps even more slippery, the third sphere of the skandhas is the, the whole activity of the, the thinking mind, the perceptions, the memories that flicker, the internal dialogue, narrative, also very powerful in shaping the sense of <clears throat> how we designate ourself and our world through our perceptions, what's familiar to us. We start to see the world just through our perceptions. We don't really see the world anymore. We go outside and go, oh yeah, there's a tree, there's snow. I know what that is. And we go off daydreaming. But is being able to say tree or snow the reality of tree and snow? So is, is when we experience ourselves, we go, oh yeah, I know who I am. I'm just this basket case. <laughs> Struggling away. Or maybe we think I'm doing really well. I'm actually pretty f- far along the path. Whatever perceptions we have about ourselves is just that, actually, ultimately. Is that the reality of who we are? Can we define ourselves within a perception or in a thought? Framing ourselves. I've always been like this. Being able to have moments of being able to see this is just a thought or this is just perception. Very difficult to get in perspective, but very powerful to be able to do that. When we find ourselves <coughs> carried away by, by obsessive thinking, you know, one, of the, one of the methods that we've been exploring is bringing attention, using thought to bring attention here and now. If you remember, we've been doing that the last few days. How is it now? Being with the breath, peacefully breathing in, peacefully breathing out, steadying with the sensation within the body. 
This is one skillful way of, of thought being in service of the activity of awareness. If we find that we, we try and bring attentiveness to being present, but we, we find ourselves carried away, washed away with a, with a whole narrative, in another way that's recommended, we can actually consider, is it actually really useful for me to sit here and worry about what's going to happen next week or to a particular situation that might be bothering me? And so we can actually cognize and and think, well, actually, if I sit here, I mean, it might actually help if I sit here for an hour and worry about what's going to happen in when the Mayan calendar runs out <laughs> or, you know, what's going to happen on the stock exchange or what's going to happen with you know, global warming, what's going to happen to our work in South Africa or what's going to happen to you know, someone in our family that may be struggling or what's going to happen to our bank balance or what's going to happen. You know, we could sit here for an hour, but the chances are that's not going to actually be that productive. You know, we sit worrying. So being able to, to, to think in the, in the development of skill with thought, we can actually train ourselves to think, is it actually, think of the outcome of this train of thought. Is it actually going to lead to a, a good place? Is it going to lead to a sense of well-being or just increase anxiety and stress? And sometimes when we look at the outcome of a particular pathway we're going down, it might be in and of itself enough to just knock us back and out of that track. If that doesn't help, we just find ourselves going down a vortex, worry, obsessive thinking, then another way of further development that uh, is recommended is that we just pay no attention. It's not a repressive thing, but it's just knowing that the mind's crazy at the moment. <laughs> we kind of sit it out. <laughs> but, but it's a different relationship. Usually when the mind's a bit crazy, we just get spun out with it. Or we just keep struggling and create a kind of a war zone. So sometimes we can know, yeah, it's kind of, there's a huge amount of energy going and it's all going up into the thinking process, into the mental activity. And maybe, you know, maybe this whole sitting is just going to be like a wipeout. But there is what one's beginning to generate is a different relationship to that. The Buddha described it, it's a bit like, you know, you're in a, in a in, you're trying to, Actually, I don't know if this is the exact description. I don't know whether I got this from the suttas or if I've been listening to Kitty Sara. <laughs> it's like that you're just walking through a crowded room and you want to go get a, 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 a cup of tea at the, at the counter at the end of the room and there's loads of people. You don't have to go and say hello to every person. And this is definitely not what the Buddha said. <laughs> <laughs> Probably wasn't so obsessed about cups of tea as I am. <laughs> English breakfast tea. No breakfast tea, no retreat, I'm afraid. 
So I'm heading for my cup of tea and there's like loads of people. I don't have to say hello and be concerned about every person and what state they're in and if they're okay and whether I should smile or not. I'm just heading for my cup of tea. I know that everyone's there and I just keep going. And in the same way, sometimes when the mind is just kind of, you know, when we sit here, we have to be very, very patient because a lot of meditation is actually just patiently bearing with the habits that we've actually generated in a lifetime of unskillful, distracted, obsessive thinking. Uh, you know, we've had a, a, a culture based on disembodiment, lack of deeper connection, and it has pushed us up into this, you know, we've elevated the thinking mind to the greatest attainment. <laughs> well-developed thinking mind. And we're tyrannized by it. It's the karmic result of it. We're tyrannized by thought. We never know how to switch it off. And if we don't know know, what to think ourselves, we can switch on the TV and lots of other people be sort of blabbing away telling us what to think. And we sit for a while and we have all these voices just kind of those, you know, we're not just going to magically disappear. We sit here and think it's all going to disappear. There's a, there's, this is what karma means. It's momentum. And it's hard, hard to sit in that current when the mind's just kind of going like spaghetti soup all over the place. But we can begin to change the relationship. We replace... This is the art of mindfulness. We replace the reactivity, the obsessiveness, the being washed away with moments of knowing. We're staying with, we just, we might not even be able to get to the body, but we just know this is the mind in spaghetti soup mode, crazy mode, obsessive thinking mode. And we don't give it more fuel. We don't keep, you know, react. If we resist, we give it more fuel. If we obsess, we give it more fuel. As best we can, we just stay steady, steady. This is why the foundation of the mindfulness is always within the body because it's a slower vibration. Settling back into how are my feet now? How's the butt on my cushion or my chair? Slowing down a thought. Take one thought out of the spaghetti soup and slow it down. So you get to see thought as a thought, as a construct, rather than a powerful description of your reality or the reality of the world around you. You really explore what is thought. You know, you really slow it down. And then just you see... Beginning the movement and appearance of thought, the dissolving of thought, and what remains, what is present, what can be present. Start to notice that there's another dimension that isn't thought. This is one, the third, this whole third sphere of the skanda, the mental activity, perception, familiarity the remembering, all emerging through the the faculty of, of, of perception and thought, getting a perspective, replacing our obsession, 
our reactivity with mindfulness. Thinking, this is just thinking. But not doing that to dismiss the power or value of thinking. It's not a value judgment, it's getting perspective. For the sake of recognizing the heart, the mind, and its natural state, not conditioned by thought, not affected by thought. The last skanda, last two, the last one is called vijnana, which means uh, the experience of sensory consciousness. It's not pure consciousness. Sensory consciousness emerges. It's like the, the waves on an ocean. Sensory consciousness emerges out of pure consciousness, pure awareness, experience of the senses, moments of seeing, like now, moments of hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, thinking, feeling. We can practice awareness, mindfulness to explore the sensory consciousness. For example, with a sound, right now we can hear the sound. It's a moment of sound, touching, Awareness. Sound very powerful, isn't it? Thoughts um, communicating. Maybe you like what I'm saying. Maybe you don't. Maybe it'd be nice if I shut up. <laughs> we went into quietness. You know, there are all different reactions around sound. Fair enough. I don't want to diminish your reactions. Important to acknowledge those. But in a contemplation of the skandhas, we're we're noticing sound. Noticing sound, and then we can also notice where does sound dissolve? What remains? Usually in sensory consciousness, we're so, like on that wave of the ocean, we're so swept away. Sometimes it's described as like electricity. It just moves from a moment of hearing, a moment of seeing, a moment of thinking, a moment of, of um, feeling and sensing, a moment of uh, uh, smelling, tasting. This, 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 this sensory consciousness contributes and supports the sense of the me that's thinking, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling. Gives a sense of a continuity, a continuous, solid self senses, the experiences through the sense doors. Is there a sense of self when one of the sensory, when one of the senses dissolves, say sound or thought, when it dissolves back into the stillness and into the awareness? Is the self dependent on the senses? What happens when we notice sensory experience just for what it is and maybe when it, moments of it, like sound is one of the easiest ones. 
when sound dissolves, thought dissolves. It's an exploration to explore. So in these, these, the, the um, skanda of what's called sankhara, which is in a way the programs or the shaping, the whole sense of ourself combined with all of these other elements, the form, the feeling, the perception, sensory experience. These, these sankhara, they're, they're sometimes called the patterning, the deeper shapes of the self. The feeling we have about ourselves, our deeper habits, our patterns, our tendencies, all of this we become aware of in our meditation. For some of us, they're very particular, but if we actually start to look at the deeper uh, energy within some of these tendencies of the mind, we'll start to hit the same kind of energy of. That we, that we all share of maybe anxiety or doubt, desire, aversion. There's some of the energies that we've been contemplating in the hindrances. So being with the, with, uh, with the, with our tendencies as we get to know in the meditations, we see here I am again, caught up in this uh, feeling of uh, being alienated or feeling lonely, or here I am again in my worry, or here I am again uh, in, in a feeling of uh, uh, expectation, longing. Some of these sankharas have a lot of energy in them, a lot of, again, we have a lot of habit feeling very driven into wanting to move to the next thing, hard to slow down. We spend a lifetime investing a lot of energy in these, these patterns, in these programs that constitute who I am. It takes a lot of patience. Sometimes in, a, in the Vipassana, it's not just about noting and seeing, but it's also about holding a lot of compassion, a lot of kindness, a lot of patience in relationship to our experience of the self, experience of our feelings, experience of the body. So today in our practice, we really encourage this working with this balancing of the samatha, the gathering, coming to the breath, the body, steadying tension with how it is here and now. And then this, this more reflective, the inquiry, the reflective, being able to reflect, not so much necessarily in why is everything here and what in, in the way it is, why do I feel like this, why am I like this, and what can I do about it all? How can I fix it all? How can I sort it all out? But being able to see more the, in a way, we're honing into the, 
or, or looking in a, in a slightly different way, we're looking more at how changeable each of these five skandhas are. The Buddha said, it's a bit like each of these constitute the sense of self, the sense of who I am. He said, in the same way, if we, if we looked at the river Ganges, say, he's talking in India, and we were, you know, if I mentioned and say to you the river Ganges, you would know what I mean. You might have a picture in your mind. You might have even been there. We could go and maybe even sit by the side of the river Ganges and have some chai and talk about stuff. You know, it's a place. But if you actually went up to it and tried to capture it, it's not that it doesn't exist, it's there. But if you actually went in, he said, it's a, it'd be a bit like you pick up the river, the river Ganges and it run through your fingers like bubbles. Would actually, there's nothing substantial there. It's there. It's not that it's not there. It's there, but also it's not there. It's not substantial. It's fluid. It's flowing. It's dynamic. It's changing. And in the same way, the sense of self, the sense of who we are, the you know the reality of our life. It's not to diminish. It's there. We can go and you know, be within our life, be within the flow of it. And when we mention a friend, we have a perception, yes, that person, and I know all about them, and they're like this. And when we think about ourselves and our life, it has this sense of continuity and power and shape and, and flow, just in the same way as the River Ganges does. You know, great beauty sometimes flows very slowly and stagnates, sometimes very fast, vibrant, the flow of our life. But if we actually went in in the same way and looked more deeply into what constitutes the life, say through the contemplation of these five skandhas, in the same way we would actually find a moment of perception, a moment of feeling, a moment of seeing, a moment of hearing, a moment of memory we would find that there is the nothing that actually constitutes something that is a solid entity. It's fluid, dynamic, porous, changing, and ever revealing the underlying nature space, emptiness, presence, luminosity, immovability of the natural heart, the aware heart present heart.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.